0: Yo, welcome back to the show. It is Q and A time. Let's just go ahead and get right into today's questions. All right, so first question we have: If you are not new to training but never really trained certain body parts, can you still experience newbie gains in those areas? Absolutely, uh, to an extent. So first, the thing to realize here is like you will have if you have followed a relatively smart style of training even if there's body parts that you haven't trained in like the most intelligent manner or haven't gone out of your way to train intentionally you will still have trained them right so let's use the example of biceps right even if you've never done direct bicep work like you've never done any curl variation you've probably still trained your back you've probably done a good amount of pulling movements which will Still hit the biceps to a large degree, right? Or same thing, like. And I would say one of the most common examples of this is like a lot of women who start coaching with us. Um, one of their main goals is to grow their glutes, right? So, like they'll often start and hey, I've done a lot of squats, I've done a lot of lunges in the past, but like if you listen to our episode last week they talked about how to set up your training for glute growth, um, a lot of times the execution of said movements hasn't been. Right. And like, really, like we're looking at the best movements for glutes, like a squat, for example, probably isn't going to be in the top of our list. Right. So a lot of times it'll be like, Hey, I haven't been training correctly for said muscle group, but still like, even with the squat, the glue is still going to be incorporated. The glutes I should say will still be incorporated to a degree, um, or like lunges, same thing goes there. So there will still have been like some gains made. So it wouldn't be quite like the level of newbie gains that she would realize if you had just never trained at all. But you can still like, and we see this all the time with clients when you go from either a not training a muscle specifically or not training a muscle in an intelligent manner. And then we go through, which one of the biggest things we focus on with our clients who do training and nutrition with us is The execution of movements right and again making sure that you're just following a smart program because like once you learn how to execute these movements in a manner that actually puts the muscle in the best position to experience tension you will experience a lot more gains than you would before right so um a lot of times like the point of all that being a lot of times people who even were like trying to intentionally grow a muscle group again glutes are a great example of this, this but like when we change your programming we change up the way you're executing and, like a lot of times like in a case like that people are so focused on the movements that like they quote unquote feel so like that's almost always going to be a short position movement which is going to be a movement that's hardest in um the contracted position it gets easier as we get closer to the lengthened position so an example of that would be like a barbell hip thrust, right? Where it's hardest at the top where the glutes are fully contracted. But if we look into the science of building muscle, we know, okay, movements, that overload a muscle group in the lengthened position. So think when there's a little bit more of a stretch on our glutes do seem to be more conducive to muscle growth. Now we want both again, like definitely listen to the glute building episode that we shared. I believe it was a week ago today. Um, if you want a more full breakdown of this, but Again, a lot of times it does just come down to changing up your exercise selection a bit and then mastering execution along with that. But yes, to <laughs> answer the question, you can experience very quick gains, even if you are an experienced lifter, if you haven't trained a muscle specifically. Now, I wouldn't say quite to the level of newbie gains because again, there will still be some growth there as a byproduct of just training other muscles that like kind of work synergistically with that muscle. But you can experience a pretty rapid gains there. All right, next question we have. Things that can help boost energy. I exercise, drink water, follow my nutrition, and do my best with sleep, but I'm tired. All right, so what I would say there right away, um, one thing she said was I do my best with sleep. So I would really say like right out of the gate, that almost tells me, hey, sleep is probably the biggest thing to continue to double down on. This is a question I get a lot. Um, And there's a couple of ways we could approach it, but almost always it does come back to like Hey, sleep is one of the issues. Now, there are some caveats here. Like, for example, if you're a mom and you have um, a baby who wakes you up multiple times a night, a lot of times, like, or sometimes with clients, there are just scenarios where it's like, hey, it's just the reality. I am going to be woken up a couple times. So what we look to there is, okay, first and foremost, how can we get you the best quality sleep possible? Like during the time when you are asleep, we know the quantity isn't going to be quite what we want it to be. So first and foremost, how can we ensure your quality is absolutely the best when you are asleep, right? So within that, a couple things that are helpful. First and foremost, caffeine intake is one of the, especially like if you're someone who doesn't typically sleep very well. Most people get in this vicious cycle. I've definitely been there where it's like a, hey, I so tired, I drink a ton of caffeine, and the caffeine really starts to disrupt my sleep. So once again, I'm so tired, and I drink more caffeine, It cannot, and it kind of becomes, becomes a vicious cycle. And a lot of people don't even realize that they like have poor sleep quality. It's just, or they wouldn't think it's caused by caffeine. It's just a case of like, yeah, I always just have to, have to like wake up to pee two to three times per night. Or like, yeah, things just wake me up, like sat, random sounds and shit will wake me up a lot during the night. But a lot of times what people don't realize is like, hey, actually, You're waking up to these things because you are not experiencing as deep of sleep because caffeine is somewhat disrupting this, right? Or stress. Those are two very common examples of this. So with caffeine, it is definitely a good rule of thumb for most everyone to cut it off by 2 p.m. at the latest. And really I found that for most clients that number is more like noon. Next, a supplement that, that can actually help your body clear caffeine better. Um, it's called rude carpine. I think I said that correctly. But um another suggestion I made for a couple clients who really, really struggle with giving up the caffeine, um, that can be helpful as well because it basically just helps your body metabolize it and get it out of your system quicker. Now, from there, then we typically have to look at stress levels. So, another very common issue, like when people are struggling with sleep is looking at a lot of times people will be like waking up at like three to four at the night, just wide awake and struggling to fall back asleep. Again, like clients that are very stressed out is very common. And this is almost always one of the symptoms. So the thing to understand there is what's happening. All right. So melatonin and cortisol, two different hormones are antagonist, right? So basically how it works is typically as melatonin, which is one of the hormones that basically makes you fall asleep, rises, levels of cortisol decrease, right? Now, through the early morning, levels of cortisol gradually spike until they wake you up, right? And the cortisol isn't a bad thing. Cortisol is a stress hormone, but in the right dose, it isn't a bad thing, right? So here's part of what helps wake you up in the morning. Um, Now, the problem is when individuals have constantly elevated cortisol levels, so basically stress is too high, Typically what will happen is that cortisol curve gets a little bit out of whack cortisol levels spike earlier than they should in the early morning. And that's when people wake up at like three to four. am just wide awake. Right? So again, a lot of this is often an issue of just not focusing on managing stress well enough. Now, part of this is like, we have to take a very holistic look at this. So with some clients, we're looking at things like, um, Hey, how are we managing your training volume and intensity? Do we need to potentially dial that back? Do we need to deload? Do we need to feed you more carbs? The thing to understand here as well is like for clients who are struggling to fall asleep or with like, again, like waking up in the night, another strategy we can implement is like, and again, like one client comes to mind where we just implemented this with her this last week and this helped her sleep a lot. Hey, with that last meal, we do want to add more carbs because again, carbs and cortisol, very similar to car or, uh, to Melatonin and cortisol. So basically, insulin, which when we eat carbs, we are going to spike insulin along with when we eat protein, and we'll typically see insulin spike as well. Um, that is going to cause a cortisol spike, right? Or that's going to cause an insulin spike consuming carbohydrates or again consuming some protein, which will, when insulin levels rise, that causes cortisol levels to decrease, right? So having like some protein or some protein and some carbohydrates in your last meal can also help here. Now, from there, we do typically need to get a little bit more woo-woo into things like, hey, what are you doing to wind down at the end of the day, right? Um, so really for a lot of our clients, just establishing a solid nighttime routine is extremely helpful. So really what I tell people to do is like take the last 30 to 60 minutes, consider those your wind down time, right? Like we don't want you to be, if you use your phone a lot from work, put it on do not disturb. If you have like work emails, like don't be checking your work emails right before bed. We really want you to be in a calm, relaxed state. And typically what I recommend from there is some type of brain dump journaling where you literally just open up like a Google doc or you have like a written journal where literally just write out whatever thoughts come to mind, right? Don't judge yourself, just write whatever comes to mind. Now, most people i found like this is very therapeutic because it kind of gets that endless loop of thoughts out of your head and onto paper. Now, for more like career driven people, typically what I've found is a lot of times one of the issues will be like you're laying in bed at night and thinking about all the things you need to do. And this is something that's helped me a lot is right now everything you need to do the next day before bed as part of those journaling session. And then even keeping like your notebook beside your bed. So if you think of something in bed, you don't have to lay there and like, man, I need to remember to do this. I have to remember to do this. I have to remember to do this and like stress levels rise. You can just write it down and go back to sleep, right? Um Meditation can also be helpful here. Breathing exercises can be helpful. And then one of the final takeaways is Don't just, don't get in bed until you're actually ready to go to bed, right? Don't lay in bed and look at your phone. Don't lay in bed and like watch TV. We want to train your brain that your bed is only for sleep, right? So one of the things that absolutely wrecks people's sleep patterns is again, like laying in bed and reading, laying in bed and watching TV. Again, we want to train your brain that your bed isn't for mental mental stimulation. It is only for sleep. So, (laughs) um, first and foremost, what I would say is if you're struggling with energy, I would absolutely start there because so many people, like the majority of people ask this question, if we actually dig into like, Hey, what's your sleep? Like, it's almost always like, I'm getting somewhere between four to six hours a night. And then if we look at that, it's like, Hey, wake up three or four times at night. Right? So almost always, I would start there. Now, from there, within your food what i would look to is again making sure we're getting in adequate protein so somewhere between 0.8 and one grams per pound of body weight um for someone really and this does kind of depend on the context of where you're at whether you're pushing more for fat loss uh muscle growth or just maintenance but i would also say like within that make sure your carb intake is reasonable So again, I would say like at a bare minimum for most people, and again, this depends on like the context of maybe your movement isn't very high. So you have to diet a little bit more aggressively, but for most people, I would say at least like one gram of carbs per pound of body weight. And then I would really make sure you're aiming to get at least five daily servings of fruits and veggies combined and really just aim to get a wide diversity of colors within each of those right now. We could get a little bit deeper into like supplements. I would say for most people supplementing with like just as some general recommendations, most people are going to benefit from supplementing with Omega threes with vitamin D and with magnesium. But really what I would say there is like, if you take all those boxes really still the most helpful thing in almost every case is going to be working through what I dug into with the sleep. All right, next question we have is what's your favorite piece of advice for new clients? I absolutely love this question. So what I would say, if there are two things that all our most successful clients have in common, it's one, they are good communicators. Two, they're not perfect, but they do give good effort. If you can do those two things, you will get good results as a client. So, first and foremost, the thing to understand as far as communication is, coaching isn't just us, hey, here's your plan, all right, you're gonna crush it, um, and we'll talk to you again in a month, right? Like, if that was all it took to actually coach, was just like, hey, here's the information, cool, you're set. People, you guys can literally just like, read the blogs that we put out. People could just listen to a podcast and get great results, right? Coaching has to be individualized and tailored to you. But so much of that is like our communication back and forth, right? So like so much of that is. Us looking through your training log and being able to see your notes, being able to see like how you rated your pump, how you rated the disruption on these movements, actually like seeing the form videos where we asked for form videos. Within your check-ins, it's us getting your feedback in a detailed way on, hey, what went well this week? What did you struggle with this week? What's like, What do we have coming up here? Or like, hey, in your biofeedback where you mentioned cravings were really high, give me more details on that. What does that look like, right? So what I'll say is like the clients the clients who struggle are always ones who again, like seem to struggle to communicate more, whether it is, and I would say like the most common, and fortunately, like this isn't a scenario that I come across much at all anymore. But when I started coaching, how, how this would almost always come up was, and I think there is kind of a threshold for most newer coaches where like when you first start coaching, I know this is how it, how it was for me. When I first started coaching and online, the first like year, I struggled a lot more to get clients to that. Where is it here at the process as our clients are now. And I think part of that is just like growing a company, growing like your reputation and people know like
1: more and more,
0: like as things continue to grow, we get people better and better results that so, like, if you're going to hop on board, you need to be serious about this. Right. So like one, it is not, not submitting check-ins, right? Like if you don't submit your check-in you're just not taking this seriously. If us as coaches have to chase you down for your check-ins, we pr- if on a consistent basis, like there are times where like, Hey, something crazy happened and um, I'm sorry, like this is late. This is like 12 hours late. Like that's, that's fine. Like, right. Sometimes things happen and we get it. But if your coach is consistently having to chase you after your check-ins, if your check-ins are consistently late your coach probably cares about getting you results more than you care about results, where your coach is putting more effort into it than you are, right? So it doesn't matter if you say you want results, your actions don't align with that. Now, very similarly, if it's a case of like, so that's typically the first situation where I'll, how I'll see that, how I've seen that play out in the past. The other would be someone will submit a check-in, but the, like, (laughs) it's just very, very brief. There's very little detail to it. So thus we as coaches like actually get helpful information out of you so we can adjust the plan for the week. We'll ask questions and then it's like, hey, I literally have to check in through the week because I didn't get a response to these questions. I don't get anything back. And then maybe like with the next week's check-ins, I will get a response to those, right? Again, like my I would say especially my first year, that was the most common like when I was struggling with a client like with this communication, this communication example, that was the most two common, the most common two ways that I would see that play out. Um, so really I would say like, understand, like if you're doing either of those two things, if you are working with a coach right now, listening to this and it's like, shit, that's me. You're really probably not seeing results, right? Because this does take communication. Now, one thing I love so much about all our clients is they are such good communicators. It really feels like, like within our Facebook group, we have like a little family that's constantly growing bigger and bigger and everybody's pushing each other. Everybody's like in there sharing recipes and eating donuts and arguing about whether coffee cake or bagels are better, which clearly coffee cake is better. But like, that's one thing I appreciate so much about our clients is everyone is very good at giving us detail and just communicating, right? Like, when do we ask questions getting back to us and giving us details in the first place. So like right out of the, right out of the gate, we can actually help every week when we're making adjustments. So really like I can't overstate, honestly, if you're just a good communicator, you'll get results out of coaching. But if you're a bad communicator, if you don't get back to your, back to your coach when they ask you questions, or if you don't answer questions and you're checking in details, it's just gonna be hard to get results, right? Cause you're not really much better off than if you were just doing it on your own in that case. Um, the second one is again, not being perfect, but giving consistent effort. And this does somewhat tie into the first one, right? Like we have never had a client come through our coaching service that has been perfect, but we have had a lot of clients get amazing results. That's the thing to understand is like starting this process, you won't be perfect and that's okay. All we expect is for you to give us effort, right? So that means like, one of the most common things we do with new clients is the first two weeks we hold, and this depends on the client, but most people we're gonna hold you accountable to, okay, we're gonna plan your food ahead for the next day, the night before, in your File diary, and shoot it over to us. Now you don't have to be perfect here. You don't have to nail your macros on the nose. Just do your best to get as close as you can to those targets, and we'll help you fill in the gaps, right? So. An example of effort would be, hey, okay, you do this, but again, we're pretty new to the process. So, like, hey, I'm not sure how to hit my protein here. So, let's say, again, like, by our predetermined time, you send over your food logs. Let's say you're like 20 grams short of your protein target, you are 15 grams short of your carb target, and 8 grams over your fat target. So, again, you've done the work, you planted ahead, you shot it over, right? That's an example of giving us effort, but not being perfect. From there, again, you say like, hey, I wasn't quite sure how to make this all work, but I did my best here. Can you talk me through like what we can change? Yes, absolutely. That's what we're here for. On the flip side, again, an example of, hey, we don't have adequate effort is, hey, the predetermined time to get this over to us has passed, so I'm checking in with you like, hey, where's the food log at, right? That'd mean, like in a situation like that, it's a lot less likely that you're gonna get the results you want. So again, like understanding, you don't have to be perfect. No one has ever been perfect, but if you are just willing to give us your best effort and communicate with us, you will get great results out of us. And again, that goes for, even if you're not working with our team, no matter who you're working with, if you do those two things, as long as you're working with a good coach, it is pretty certain that you're going to get great results. So that's what I have for you guys for today. As always, thank you for tuning in.